Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and many other things. Hey, one thing I've um, discovered this week is mm-hmm. Manta-related banter uh, <laughs> that is... it's. I didn't realise that it's part of German humour, um, a term called Manta-Fahrer, so... Man to driver, you know, like we I've have heard white. About this, we know yeah. we have we have white van man here in the UK. Yeah, in Germany, I believe that it, man to driver in inverted commas is a thing, which has sort of tickled me a bit because there is a type of joke called manta wits, as in you know manta wit, which again I find a little bit funny. Isn't um, it? It would be sort of the way that we would have joked about. Capri people, uh, Capri people, or maybe <laughs> then sort of like XR three people. Yes, it's, it's like it's a certain sort of it's a stereotype, isn't it? out of date man who yeah uh, is probably you know meant to be a bit stupid. I think isn't that part of the Manta thing? Is that yeah, meant to yeah, be a it's bit thick as well. It's, <laughs> it's quite cruel. I don't and it is cruel, and I don't use Wikipedia as gospel, but Wikipedia says. Uh, it says um, the male owner of an Opel Manta is aggressive, aggressive driver, dull, lower class, macho, and infatuated with his car and his blonde hairdressing girlfriend. Um, jokes poke fun at the stereotype of a working class owner of a sec- second tier muscle car. <laughs> <laughs> second tier? I think that's quite generous, isn't it? I was going to say, I'd say it was a bit further down, no disrespect to Mantis. These are Holmes League muscle car. Um, yeah, who yearned for a sports car but couldn't afford a status vehicle such as a Mercedes or a BMW. Proud Manta owners often decorate them with chrome GT stripes, racing tyres, or high beams to mimic mm-hmm. the exclusive, exclusivity of a race car. Well, uh, Firstly, this is not a, a poke at Manta people because I actually quite like Mantas, and you never see them. No, you never see them. I mean, what uh, thirty Capris to every one Manta typically on the on the British road? Would you say? Um, I'd say that's a, a reasonable thirty to one ratio. Yeah, <laughs> is it, <laughs> it's a very Capris to Manta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that was a compression ratio, that would be remarkable. But. Um, uh, I and it's funny because actually in this country I feel like in, in the when they were both sort of current and even slightly afterwards the Manta was more of the sort of thinking man's Capri wasn't it? Well, it was a sort of Capri with build quality is what I'm going to say. So I'm just pouring myself a cafetiere of coffee because I'm and a bit more a bit more sophistication because it was no uh, that's right it was of, the yeah. um, but I, I mean I, I think I've said this in a <clears throat> it's probably a Smith and Sniff video ages ago, that I used to work with a guy that used to refer to them as Opal wife beaters. And um, because he said that in his art, when he grew up, the the guy that drove the Manta was really aggressive, nasty looking mm. piece of work and wore a sleeveless T-shirt in all seasons. And, <laughs> was this uh, someone in, in the UK? Yeah, this was UK based, yeah. Because that sounds like that is the, the kind of... That's, that's, that's Manta where the Father. German Manta wit is going, isn't it? It's always yeah. like yeah, vests. And I'm seeing... Now, I wonder where... Maybe some German listeners can help us out here. I wonder what the view would be of whether the Manta driver of the stereotype has a moustache. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like the moustache is, is maybe even still acceptable in Germany more than it is here. <laughs> 
Germany. <laughs> we Germany have something the called States. November, Richard. Uh, and I well, don't... yeah, but that's it's almost I, that's I, 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 it raises a lot of money for a very good cause. I'm not going to to diss no, Movember, though. It is there's something very sort of blokish about it because it's such an absolutely path of least resistance thing to do, grow a moustache. But where that what what Movember is supposed to be doing is going. We dare you to grow something that's essentially socially unacceptable. Yes. Well, so I it's did the that. bravery. It's the, oh, you're going to look a bit daft. But of course, it's been going for so long now. Everybody just goes, oh, you're doing Movember. So it's not sort of, it's not what it once was, where you sort of have to fear. I think people have made it stylish, whereas before it was very sex offender. And you had to be careful yes. where you grew it. <laughs> not where Depends you grew it. It comes sorry, in as well, it. doesn't it? You know, some people can go a full mansel and you're just going, I've got a moustache, deal with it. Whereas if yeah. you get a sort of wispy kind of bum fluff, like a sort of alopecia slug on your top lip, <laughs> then you actually don't you don't look good. <laughs> so anyway, but I that's want, the, I was I thinking Germany, the, the moustache just carried on. I don't think it ever got stigmatised the way it did here. And the same in the US. You know, yeah, you get sort of like... in the States, stateside tash, yeah. Yeah. Wholesome, wholesome dads like Ned Flanders type figures that just have a, a good old soup strainer and there's nothing embarrassing <laughs> about it at all. It's the I think it gets away with it because there have been some highly respected lip slugs in um, music and film, and I think mm. probably Viper from Top Gun has secured the American tash as being acceptable because it's a place of authority, Mustache. And so well, I was going to say Tom Selleck. Oh, Selleck, of course. I think Selleck is the moustache ambassador for the United States. I think he could. He, I think he's turned around even women that didn't like moustaches on men. Yeah, I think my he's... mum used to openly fancy Tom Selleck, and it was like, yeah, you know, I was sort of eight or nine. You'd be a bit like, what are you talking about, mum? You're married to dad, but she was, you know, you'd have Magnum PI on. Yeah, and mum would sort of linger about, going, oh, is oh. Where is he? Where? Oh, there he is. Ooh. And I, people are like, but mum? Was the Tash more powerful than the Testarossa? Not a Testarossa, the 308. Uh, I think it, it was. Also, the benefit of he could go inside buildings with it. Uh, what? And you couldn't do that with a Ferrari, you mean? Magnum turning up to a meeting on the fourth floor going now a great expense I've had my 308 craned outside the window because I want you to fancy me I don't, or, or he's, he's Magnum Oversteer OS he just goes in very late to a meeting goes into the car park too hot gravel um, <laughs> enters reception physically enters reception with the or wheels backwards. still on <laughs> <laughs> but gets out, just dusts the glass off his tennis shorts and walks into the meeting. <laughs> We've uh, talked before, I think, haven't we, about yeah. having the titles of Magnum, that he does that, he, he, what could have been a horrific tank slapper. Oh, yeah. He absolutely boots it on grass and then does that tricky transition onto tarmac, which, as we know, is one of the, the hardest transitions in all of motoring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you can get really tripped up. Slippery to grippy is, is horrible. Slippy and he handles grippy. it really quite nicely. And you yeah. know it's him driving because there he is, waggling he's... his eyebrows before he guns it. But yeah, I think there's he's... a longer version of that, which is in the original titles, uh, and I guess it's taken from some bit of the show, I'm not sure, um, where, first of all, what? he slides the roof back as oh. if you can do that on that car. And clearly there's a couple of people from the production standing just out of shot to grab it, and oh. then he boots it. And they cut it. They cut into it later in the in the, the titles that were used for most of that series. Well, that sounds brilliant. But I'll, again, as always with these things, I'll stick that because there is a clip of it somewhere. I'll stick it on them. Um, I on thought you were going to say there's a longer version where he overcorrects sixteen times, and it's actually a full <laughs> minute of him going down the road. We're, we're, we're him flailing at the wheel. We've all been there, but manages and to they, not crash ultimately. They've got the in-car shot as well, where his eyes are very wide and his hands are very busy. <laughs> His moustache is sort of like twitching side to side like an angry 1960s policeman. Yeah, and he's um, he's sort of pushing, he's trying to push air out of his mouth, but his lips are cl closed. <laughs> it's that, you know, that thing where you go to make a noise like this, but you're not making that noise. You're just blow, you're trying to blow air out. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's it's probably quite a quick, think... quick rack on a 308, so there's a lot of oh, overcorrection yeah. going on. But no power steering, so actually quite a... Quite a workout as well. Yeah. 
Well, the Hawaiian ship would be open, wouldn't it? So it'd be all right. You'd get a bit of ram air into the pits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then the next scene, he's just talking to Higgins and he's trying to pretend he's not flustered, but he's just blinking too much. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely, yeah. Oh, I I know what I was supposed to. I was going to say huge congratulations in in this podcast to um, my nephew, Ethan, for passing his uh, theory test. He's stressed him out immensely, and he did fail uh, previously. But um, <clears throat> give him a big whoop and say he's nearly he's on he's, he's nearly on the road to freedom. He's nearly there. Ethan, people who visited some of the late break live shows last summer might have seen Ethan. Yeah, he was the big lad with a very small child's rucksack full of car keys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which um, made me chuckle. Had a Mickey Mouse rucksack with all the lots of expensive car keys in. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, well, well done to Ethan. That's good news. Yeah, and it was the reason why I just quickly transitioned from the Selig chat to that is because I rem- I said to Ethan, I said, I, I passed my test before th- um, theories, mm. but it was a very hot day. And the day he did that was one of the hottest days of the year so far. And I said, I remember being in my driving test. And I think I've said this to you before. I wore, I wore a retro Terry toweling um polo shirt type thing and Mm -hmm. my armpits were absolutely dripping and I remember being so sweaty and I don't normally sweat on that level but I did Uh, I doubtful the aircon was on I'm pretty sure that it didn't have aircon it was diesel fiesta but um yeah Uh, I remember it very well anybody else ever passed their driving test in exceptionally extreme conditions either cold or hot I'd love to know you didn't Um, wear shorts did you no, I didn't wear shorts. I, I felt I felt like it was too casual, although I would have liked to have done. Mm. I've, I was thinking about this the other day because it's been hot. And shorts are fine if it's hot. But I just... British men who, as soon as the temperature goes above about 12, just put <laughs> shorts on, even in 12. an office environment or when they know they're going to be sharing a car with somebody. And I always yeah. just go, hmm, no. No, I, I've worked with a couple of excessive shorts wearers. Yeah, and I just yeah. think there's no there's no need for it. It's just, no, it's, I'm it's, with you. TV's Chris Harris actually. I noticed the other day was was doing something on Instagram, and there were some pictures of him, and he got shorts on. I was a bit like, mm, everyone you're with is wearing trousers. Yeah, you look like an Australian. I don't know whether this is what you're going for. But well, it's, it's, it's um, I have to have a word with them about his thermostat. Yeah, well, well, that's it. But I definitely, I suddenly went. Oh, I hadn't really thought about this, but yeah, I think, I think Harris is a shorter. He's a he's a three six five shorter. <laughs> I think he is. Ah, I see. You're a shorterman. Well, yes. let me tell you, <laughs> wearing long trousers is what separates us from the animals. So put some on. Uh, I don't know. This is one of my weird Victorian attitudes that was probably should get what, over. Though, I've but, been, uh, um, I'm I'm a selective short wearer, but I've been I've been doing shorts every day this week. And, oh god, yeah, uh, no. This this past week has been. I'm wearing shorts now because it's a bit, you know, even at this time in the morning, it's a bit toasty. But uh, oh, I decided to wear a pair okay. of waterproof trousers for this particular <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, the ones but, that you might wear on a commuter motorcycle. <laughs> I uh, I always favour a pair of those waders that <laughs> um, Jeremy Paxman would wear before going into a Scottish river to catch a trout or something yeah it's what it's those i know the ones the ones with braces you know the ones i mean yeah yeah where it looks like there's a fine line between certain styles of those and clown trousers where you think you could start stuffing balloons into the front (laughs) of jeremy paxman's fishing trousers and probably get about 17 in there before before one popped um but uh what was I going to say? I reckon I if, you, if they were grey and you had a mullet and a moustache, you'd look like a, a manta driver on his way to an industrial job. <laughs> in Germany, obviously, not in the UK. Uh. Uh, yeah, good old mantas. Have you ever owned a manta? Have I? Yeah. No, I used to, our next door but one neighbour when I was growing up, Cyril, he was a serial mantarist for a while. I think Cyril, three on the trot over the course of like, ten odd years. Cyril, I mean, Cyril's not a manta name, manta driver. No, well, he was an architect as well. Gosh. So, but this is the thing: he was an architect and uh, married to Jean, a uh, lovely Jean, couple. Jean and, and Cyril. Jean and Cyril, yeah, and they um, they didn't have any children, and so they could have a two door car, mm. and. 
and he liked a low-slung, sportyish car. But he moved on to Sirocco's, by the way. Okay, um, interesting. Uh, yep. Like Mark II Sirocco's. So yep. uh, he was a small man, and it seemed that sort of sitting quite low in a car with a high scuttle and shallow windows was not optimum for his <laughs> for his stature. And he quite often got into scrapes. In a world before parking sensors, he was often scuffing his mantas. And he worked in Macclesfield, which is people who... Yeah, mantis scuffs of Macclesfield. Uh, he he often uh, would be he drove to Macclesfield, which people might know it is quite a hilly town. And famously, once he was heading down a hill in Macclesfield, and a bag of shopping on the back seat tipped over, releasing oranges into the driver's footwell, and one got under the brake pedal, and he couldn't brake hard enough, and he he crashed into the back of another car. Because of an orange damaged his mantle. (laughs) Orange under the pedal. I know. It's almost like something out of a sitcom, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But I mean, it was the eighties, so sitcom things happened. I I didn't have a. I didn't have a Cyril down our road. We had a Dave with a TR7, and we had we had a John with a particular favourite of mine at the time. I don't think I realised how cool it was. um, A yellow first gen Celica, the liftback, as they called it, didn't they? Yeah. So the proper little Japanese Mustang-looking thing, uh, but in a, a canary, like a canary yellow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was quite yeah. cool. Hey, I haven't told you the more intriguing element of the Gene and Cyril fleet was not the eighties Mantas, because Gene had a Reliant Kitten. Oh, did she really? Quite a novelty, even then. That's amazing. And he's an architect. It's not like they couldn't afford a proper car. I mean, I like kitten. I actually like kittens, but they are a little bit agricultural, like all reliance. Mm. You get in and you see, I don't know, no effort to hide the the mishmash of weave, of the glass fibre and stuff. It's funny though. It was sort of it was a quirky choice, but it wasn't totally batshit weird. It was just sort of you needed a small car to get around. Town it's car. economical and yeah, and, and this is this is one of the ones that's available. I suppose it would have been I can't remember what reg it was, but like probably a V reg or something. So nineteen eighty and this was I mean God, she had that car. I think she had that car into the nineties though. Because see well the bear, it doesn't rust, does it? Fiberglass. So in many ways quite a pragmatic choice for the they were of a certain generation, a wartime kind of generation where they you know they, they didn't chuck stuff away. Their house was like... I mean, now people would absolutely have creamed themselves over their house because it was full of mid-century modern furniture. Oh, don't. Which they basically bought when it was new, in the 50s, I suppose. When they got married, probably. Yes, exactly. They were the second owners of that house, and the house was built in 1955, and I think they bought it in something like 1959. So it's, you know, and they just furnished it. And it was full of, yeah, exquisite woodwork. And also, it's the 80s. Those houses had parquet floors. Very unfashionable in the 80s. Everybody carpeted over them. Yeah, they did. But Jean and Cyril didn't. They just had parquet with rugs. And at the time, their house seemed really old-fashioned. And now you'd go, oh, my God, this could be in a design magazine. It's gorgeous. Of course, they've long since died and the house has been sold. But um, at the time, it was it was like, it was like looking back, you go, ooh, that's all fashionable again now, that stuff. Do the mantas live on? That's the question. Well, the mantas, see, that's the outlier, isn't it? Is the manta fashionable again? I think the answer's no, but <laughs> um, maybe it's time will come. I love the way you said that in a really shaky way. I actually think because of the world of resto mods and rally replicas, in a weird way, the Ascona has become a bit more cool mm. um, because it's, it's less a scene, but it, I think it... There seems to be a bit more of a hardcore following in the rally world. I know the Manta, they did the 400, which was the hot one, mm. wasn't it? But mm. even so, I was always a little bit upset to know that the Manta 400 wasn't 400 horsepower. But then that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, maybe in today's terms and power, that should be achieved. I was doing some reading up last week about, um, for various reasons, about Skoda rally cars. And... Um, that Skoda Estelle 130. The 130R? It was a Group B car. Was it, it classed as Group B? 
It was because it's the thing that, and we sort of we we didn't we forgot about this when we were talking about some um, uh, Talbot Sambas and Horizons and things being in rallying, and that Group B, you know, there was these sort of top flights. T16s and RS200s and 6R4s and stuff, but then there were all these other cars that were technically Group B cars as well. And one of them was a Skoda, was the Skoda, the Skoda, which was still only a 1.3. Was it? Yeah, and it made 130 horsepower. What? And it was it was technically in the same broad category as the Lancia Delta S4, which was sort of tuned up to what 500 horsepower or something. More, yeah, more. They reckon more. I mean, were they sort of knocking on like something idiotic, like seven hundred and fifty? Yeah, apparently they were anything between five and seven at various points in time. Yeah, same as the the, the Audis and the. Um, it's one of those things where you look back and you go, "I know why Austin Rover went for a normally aspirated larger capacity engine because they thought it would be more reliable, which wasn't really the case, but they were a bit thick because if they'd known anything about turbos and how you know if they'd looked at what happened in F one already, they'd have gone. The thing about turbos is if you sacrifice a bit of reliability or keep your fingers crossed, you can whack them right up. That's right. And there's no way you could turn that engine up in the 6R4 much, really, could you? I, mean, I suppose they could have turbocharged it, but then they wouldn't have been able to have the same capacity, so it was sort of a waste of time. But, um, yeah. I, I, if we had a time going, machine, that might be mm, the first thing I would do. If I could turn back time, I'd go back to Austin Rover Competitions Department and say, <laughs> Oi, John Davenport, pull your fucking head together. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably come with you. Yeah, could you? I'd like that. Yeah. Um, and then we go, I'd actually, be- also, since you're developing the 6R4, can we have some of these old TR7 V8s that you're not going to need anymore? Cheers, thanks very much. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I'd go on a massive car buying spree, wouldn't I? Oh. With the time machine, I'd probably mm. buy a brand new Lotus Carlton. Ooh, I'd feel like well, you'd have to wait though, wouldn't you? You'd I'd have, have to wait, wait a little because we've we've gone back to 1983. Well, a time to intercept development to the six or four. A time machinist never waits; um, they just <laughs> adjust the dial and go to a different time. You know, like when you're trying to find a spot, like particularly when you used to be on VHS videos and you'd overshoot or you'd undershoot the same as like spooling past adverts when you've recorded something on like a sky box or a virgin box or whatever and you just you just overshoot a bit and imagine if you were a time traveler and you went right i've done my work in 1983 but i really want a lotus carlton and i'm quite impatient so i'm going to jump forward to the early 90s and then you just overshoot and you're you're in like 1999 and you're going ah Jeez. All right, right. I'm going to watch this All Saints gig, and then I'm going to go try and go back again. Oh fuck! I'm in 1985 now. <laughs> Damn this imprecise time machine. Is it? Is it a time machine? Like you say, it doesn't. The the dial doesn't have enough increments on it, so you can get. It's an, not calibrated. Or, no, you can you can be almost at the point that you want, but it's give or take a couple of years or a go. <laughs> It might even be a bit more, though, because if you think that the scope of the time machine, you could theoretically sort of go right back to, you know, 500 BC or something. To a bit so, jousting. I know that so wasn't the, the yeah. was it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe that's the thing. You wanted to go back to the, I don't know, 16th century? Yeah, 15th, 16th. But, yeah, you just you, you fly right past it. But that's the thing. If you're just sort of dealing in... Um, centuries and you've built the time machine the controller is um, you're like it's it's just the fan control from an old Punto and it's just not got enough increments on it no so essentially if you're trying to just hit a specific gear in the 80s you really it's going to be somewhere in the late 20th century at best do you know what it's funny you should say that because it's a bit like the volume control in some cars have you noticed some of them, you have to press it loads of times for the volume to go up or down? Yes. And then other times, you you tap it once, and it seems to yeah. jump loads. And you're like, <laughs> I want something in between, but there isn't anything in between. So what the hell am I going to do? So you end up just muting it a lot, which is what I yeah. do. Um, it drives me nuts. Also, I mean, I know you have buttons on the wheel, and that's fine. And those are, those are a mixed bag, aren't they? The, the, um, actually, the ones in, in our up are very good. Nice, big, not touch-sensitive, like newer vws yeah nice clicky buttons and a couple of jabs at one of those just does a good increase in volume couple not of too much jabs. not too little couple of jabs just give us a couple of jabs son and um and it, it works well but if it was up to me all 
cars would have to have a rotary volume controller on the stereo. And even on the steering wheel, you know the little buttons. the little serrated roller, yeah. the, the thumb wheel. The thumb wheel's yeah. the ultimate volume controller on a steering wheel. Uh, an up or a down tab doesn't quite cut it for me. And then it you press how it to mute. Calibrated though. Well, if it's think? yeah, I mean, if you touch it by accident and it goes from like volume two to volume nine, then no, I don't want that. But did you ever drive the MG Six? Mm. Do you remember that? Uh, yes, I do remember the MG6. I only drove it once, but yeah. It had the worst thumb wheels of any car. <laughs> they were just... They, it's, it's like they weren't... They didn't feel like they were connected to anything, but in fact they were deeply connected and had an immediate effect, even if they just a breeze blew across them. Suddenly it would like change the radio station or the other one would do the volume in a direction you didn't want. They were absolutely... You're just constantly brushing them while you're trying to get on with driving. I'd t- something's happening. I'd, I'd take that over gesture control. Because, well, this almost because was gesture then, control because because just a change in air pressure anywhere near them would cause <laughs> something to happen. It was really irritating. If you had the window open a little bit. Um, oh, God, yeah. It would be scrolling from Capital Dance all the way round to Classic FM in seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to say, there was actually a German film about Mantas called Manta Dare Film. And it was... Oh, two Manta films. One was actually called Manta Manta. <laughs> <laughs> a film, that, a film, a film. Sorry, I had to finish. I had to, I've got to have closure on the Manta chat, the banter. Yeah, um, it's a ninety-one German language action comedy, um, and <laughs> sorry to any German listeners. If, if I don't know if this is a good film or not, um, and yeah, Manta Manta uh, stars this very body-kitted yellow Manta by the look of it. And mm. the story, uh, yeah, directed by Wolfgang Bould and written by a chap called Stefan Kantz, C-A-N-T-Z. <laughs> mm. Love that, Stefan Kantz. What an Please tell me, I need to know this, is it Manta exclamation mark, Manta exclamation mark? No, it's comma. Manta, comma, Manta exclamation mark? No, no exclamation marks at all. No. Okay. I don't know about Manta Dare Film because that just seems like Manta the Film. It's just like, yeah. is that like Free Willy? But like, it's, you, all the kids flock to the cinema because they think it's going to be about a huge, beautiful manta ray, and it's not. Mm. It's a terribly body kitted <laughs> car a, with a bloke smoking cheap a cigarettes. All General Motors Coupe. <laughs> manta the movie. Mm. Interesting. Is it a documentary or is it a, a no? You know, a no, it's scripted. It's scripted a film. It. Lo- I mean, I'm looking at the poster of it here, the theatrical release poster, and it mm. looks. Imagine if you had a week to film a new version of Grease. <laughs> that that that's that's it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that that's. That's the picture I'm painting for you. It's yeah, 80s, it's 80s Greece, but you only had a week to film the bloody thing. Yeah, um, I get you. Yeah, Manta Manta. There we go. Uh, somehow I, <laughs> I might have to watch that in the next 12 months. Maybe we should do it as Smith & Sniff homework. Watch it, report yeah. back on a film that nobody well, cares about. I mean, is it... I wonder if it's on Netflix or something. What, Manta Manta? Well... This is stuff, I mean, there's stuff on there you just never know about, isn't there? It's, yeah. it's you, you could never get to the bottom of Netflix. It would take you forever. But yeah. Um, so I don't know. Hang on, I can find this out. Look, I've got I, Manta. Oh, no, I won't bother with the comma. Manta Manta on Netflix. Film. Nope. Oh, that was a quick search, wasn't it? No, I, I, it's see, almost look, like what, I knew. But you know what? See now, it obviously it then prompts you with things it thinks you might like instead. Uh, uh, which is first one is Need for Speed. Need for Speed instead of Manta yeah. Manta. I know. Okay. Second one is called. Now this is interesting because I don't know what the merry hell this is. Except it's honestly these three word descriptions that Netflix do. Have you seen this? The, I was sitting there in, in uh, last night in front of the telly, but I was waiting for my wife. She was doing something else, and then we were going to watch a show and. It was just on its kind of, you know, Netflix screensaver, and it's bringing up shows you might want to watch, and it's it's like, it's not very original. I guess it's just based on what it's, you've been watching before. So it was saying, hey, look, you could watch Seinfeld. And I was like, yeah, no, it's good, I will. And then it brought up Friends, and the three-word description was something like, um, 
witty, quirky comedy. And I was like, quirky? It's not quirky. It's one of the biggest comedy shows in history. I mean, I don't think it's quirky, otherwise no. it wouldn't have been that popular. No, that's a, that's anyway, a lie. Netflix thinks, because it doesn't have Manta Manta, I might want to watch Borning 3, Asphalt Burning, which looks to be... What? A, oh dear, I think I've just clicked on it. It's actually going to try and play it for me. So <laughs> You absolute tool. What the frig is this? More info. When the brakes slam on his wedding, Roy accepts a challenge from a new foe to race for his runaway bride at the iconic Nürburgring track in Germany. Why would you Fuck race for a bride? Why would you do that? <laughs> okay, it's a Norwegian action and adventure comedy. And the, the three words are offbeat, quirky and exciting. Right. Well, if any Norwegian <clears throat> listeners have watched Borning Three: Asphalt Burning, then um, I'm I'm actually on I, I'm on I, I'm on IMDb now looking at Manta Manta. There's a two minute um, there's a two minute clip, and it says proud German owners of Opel Mantas apostrophe S, which I'm offended by, race oh, the yeah. streets against VWs and Mercedes. They decide to set up a real race with lots of money involved. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> the person who wrote that is ten. I just, oh gosh. Well, there well, we go. Manta. All right. Well, let's, let's try and try. Pretty it sure. I'm pretty magic. sure it's a comedy. I'm pretty sure it's a comedy. But what if it's not? But if it's not, then I suspect it might be inadvertently funny. Anyway, I think so. it might be very funny. It might be the next thing I watch. Manta, Manta. <laughs> Yeah, I think it should be. Do not rest until you... You speak a bit of German, though, don't you? So, uh, I'm Bissian, um, but not much, no. no. I used to. I used to like speaking as much German as I could, but um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Even in situations that didn't... Yeah, I'd often speak it when going to N- Norwich, places like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I is it weird that I found I find the sound of spoken German quite appealing. I, I quite like hearing German being spoken because no, I think precise it's about it. It's very precise. I I think the the, the I'd like I'd like to relearn it uh, because um, they they often speak German very quickly. So when I go over to Germany, I can only pick up small amounts. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my brother speaks pretty good German. Does he? Yeah, hmm. yeah. So, but he's uh, he goes Does to he Germany. Find it useful. He goes to Germany uh, for a week, a month for some clients um, oh, who's who's a collect- collectors of the cars, and yeah. he's their go-to Bentley guy. He's British mm. Bentley guy, mm. so he gets flown <laughs> that's, in. That's British or Bentley? Is it Britisher? I remember it from that Rover advert. It's Britisher, isn't it? I Britisher think it is Britisher. Yes, yes. Yeah, Ritish. Now, guys, look, look. Listen, what's up? Last week, I foolishly mentioned the, my concerns about parking my cars on quite a steep slope. <laughs> yeah. And we've had, we've had more emails about this than... <laughs> Almost anything in the history of this podcast. Which oh, I come on, people! You cluster of sadders. What's going on? So I think I can't possibly read them all out. Honestly, there's so many. And thank you for everyone who took the time to write in. A general feeling that um, you know it's all okay. Leave your car resting on the pool. Lots of advice from people <clears> saying the thing is where my Range Rover is concerned. Yeah, is stop on the slope. Yeah foot hard on the foot brake into neutral handbrake on then into park once you've taken your foot off the foot brake to let the car rest on the handbrake and that will lessen the strain on the paw I should have mentioned I tried that and the handbrake is not quite up to snuff oh gosh here we go there's some creep which does sort of negate the point of putting it on, I suppose. But I feel like it's just an extra little kind of like, you know. Come on, have you seen how aggressively people in a, a especially seventies and American eighties eighties American films put the car into P when it's still yeah. cr- doing ten miles an hour? Yeah, I mean, well, look, I I wasn't going to read out loads of messages because um, there's just too many of them. But I thought I'll just go for the definitive. To me, this is the definitive answer because it comes from a patron of ours called Tim Dawkins. Now, I mentioned um, 
how people in San Francisco, or you mentioned it, yeah. how they cope, because it's very hilly. Yes. Well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Is, um, is he San Franciscan? It's best than that. Oh, he's an automotive safety engineer who lives in San Francisco. Oh, we're going to get the answer, hundred percent. So he's a, he's my definitive source on this. Tim yeah. Tim's actually British, but he lives in in the US. Hi, Tim. Um, he says, "I heard your I'm worried about segment this week and felt compelled to write in, as if you targeted the question straight at me. As a British automotive safety engineer who lives in San Francisco, it's my professional opinion that you should stop worrying about it, you big fanny." <laughs> <laughs> is that what he said? This is fair enough. As you correctly mentioned, the purpose of the pawl in the automatic transmission is to lock the drive line from turning when you put the car into park. Yes. As part of a typical durability and validation program, this component, along with the rest of the transmission, is rigorously stress-tested by the manufacturer yes. to last for a reasonably foreseeable life cycle determined by the OEM of the order of hundreds of thousands of miles. The number varies by manufacturer. Correct. And evaluated using finite element analysis, brackets simulation, to ensure that it will last at least as long as the rest of the transmission and physical hill-hold testing in the vehicle to make sure it doesn't fail under load. Well, On a personal uh, note, I used to drive around San Francisco in a 250,000-mile shagged old Hyundai Santa Fe which had a broken handbrake cable, and I can say from experience you would be amazed at just how steep of a hill you can find around here to try it for yourself. <laughs> if you're any doubt, you could always turn the wheels to full lock and perhaps use your E-up as a sacrificial chock. Um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't do that. Sacrificial but, uh, chock. I think Tim... By dint of being an automotive engineer and living in a very, very hilly city, Tim is our definitive source on this, and I should probably just stop worrying about it, even though yeah, I will. Tim, fair still play to that. Worrying. I've got um, another patron has sent me what I think to be um, a, a fantastic answer to this that's not scientific uh, engineer skilled in any way. <laughs> so this is from Phil, a.k.a. Boring Car Driver. He's put, gents, listening to the most recent episode and Richard's concern about parking on his sloping driveway, I believe I've uncovered a mistranslation in the mountain legend recounted by Johnny in the episode before. I believe that the real story is that the amorous young Welshman was challenged into spending the night on a mountain, parked in a car without using a handbrake. This explains the Paul in the name, a reference to him being forced to put his trust in the auto gut box, being sufficient to prevent the car running down the steep hill. I've been unable to ascertain whether he was expected to do this in the nude or not. I'm also unclear if the word hammer refers to the car being of legendary AMG model status. But given the relative scarcity in the depths of Snowdonia, it would seem unlikely. I hope this clears things up. Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, so, that's, well, next that's time I, I climb the, the hill again, I'm going to go quite yeah. soon. I've decided I'm going to conquer it again. I'm going to yeah. take a hammer with me and I'm going to wear nothing but Crocs and an expensive watch. I'm going to take some Instagram <laughs> pictures. <laughs> so, Isn't just Crocs the, and an expensive watch how we decided that Harry Metcalf would dress if he went full festival spec yeah, on his farm? Yes. I think it's the and sign of... Else. It's just a sign of sort of carefree wealth, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I'm, that's yeah. why I'm going to... I'm going to do it for the gram, as they say. I'm going to do it for the gram. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, there was something else that we talked about last week that's been that's drawn a lot of fire, um, by which I mean, you know, readers 
listeners interest each other. <laughs> uh, I mean obviously there's the aircon thing still rumbles on but we won't get that oh, yeah, jet no. towels we're getting lots of pictures of jet towels oh, yeah now. we are we, <laughs> we are getting bizarre, but Mitsubishi jet towel and I want to see some mods so because it's called a jet Mitsubishi jet towel I feel like there's going to be a keen aftermarket scene in it where people are going to put add-ons on it so for example you know my biggest bugbear with these hand dryers is that there's no receptacle to properly capture the blown off water well maybe yes. there'll be some sort of vessel or um a neoprene satchel should we say <laughs> and uh and then all of these aftermarket companies and then i don't know different branches of of, of cafes and things will start competing with accessorized jet towels yeah just love the name still i can see it yeah. across the bonnet of a a gray import car um, with a load of interesting um, logos and things that you can't quite decipher. Just think it look Well, amazing. I feel it could be a, an incredible Japanese movie as well that we're just unaware of. You know, sort of, what, what was that film? Was it Condor Man where the baddies had like sort of blacked out something or other? Yeah. Cars that were JDM stuff. Yeah. But yeah, what about a sort of an all black? Mitsubishi of some sort, some JDM thing that we we don't we've never seen over here, but it's all blacked out. Like it's even got blacked out headlights and things, so it looks very sinister. Um, in daylight. Is it a is it a, is it a kung fu film? Is it um like you know cra- crouching tiger yeah. hidden jet towel kind of thing? Going yeah, <laughs> but is jet towel the car or is jet towel the man who drives it? I don't know, but um, I think it's day, it's an it's an alias. The guy's known oh. as the jet towel, and no one really knows his name, his real name. Yeah, he's like Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes, but Jet Towel. Yes, it's the Japanese. It's Japanese Deadpool. Yeah, it's Jet Towel. Exactly. There we go. Wasn't there Jet Lee? Was the um, um, but he's Chinese, wasn't he? So maybe it's a Chinese Jet Towel. Is a Chinese action film. Ah, yeah, Jet Lee. Jet Lee's. Yeah, he's. Um, yeah, he's, he's still, still. I think he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still in full fledge on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. from Beijing. Good. Okay. Uh, oh, he won five gold but, medals in the Chinese. Um, in Chinese martial arts championships, what? Yeah, the Seriously? the first one before he was eleven. Bloody hell! Yeah, that's impressive. Well done, Jet. Hmm. Well, so there we go. Uh, Wasn't expecting to talk about Jet Lee today, Jet Tal Lee. No, but then um, you know, it's always a bit of a wild ride, isn't it? Um, oh, I, so well, since I just mentioned my e up, um, somebody um, uh, did get in touch, and I'm afraid I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember who it was because a very badly prepared. Oh yes, here we go, Jeffrey Smith. Hello, Jeffrey. Jet Tell Smith. He just sent us a message. Yeah, Jet. What? Jet, Jet Tell Smith. He uh, just said, "Mr. Porter, give us an update on the E up, please, and thank you." Um, I, I've, I, in the best possible way, I have nothing much to report except that it's great and it's going well. And I filled it up with electricity the other day because it's been warm. Yeah, but I had the aircon. You'll like this actually. I had the aircon switched off. Yeah, because good. the kids wanted the windows open. It was a hot day. I was taking the kids out. And they, they really like having the windows open. And you know, those, yeah. the, I you, actually, here's something I don't like about that car: is that it doesn't have wind down windows in the back. They just uh, pop out. They are pop outs. That it's the sign Which, of a base model, isn't it? These days, it really is. Yeah, I think they they sort of nab that idea. Dacia, I go and yeah, Dacia yes. love a bit of it. Um, do they though? Actually, now do they still have pop-out windows? Uh, in the back? the, the what, what, what's the, what's the seven-seater cool Dacia that's um, sort of bucking the trend of SUVs? Oh, the, it, it reminds the dogging. Me, is it the dog end? What, what's it called? Jog, jogger. The jogger. The jogger. It is jogger, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it reminds me of a Peugeot five hundred five. You know the seven-seat mm. ones that were quite yeah. well appointed, and were all all were also a little bit. I, I'm going to say a little bit classless. You, they could have been a yes. bit old money. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. they? Especially the, the the kind of the high the high end ones with the plush interior. Definitely. No. Definitely. I feel like um, it's trying to bring back the vibe of like, hey guys, you if you if you need seven seats, you don't need a, 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 an MPV or SUV silhouette. You could just have a car. Here mm. it is. So but there's only the very far back windows that pop out on that, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. <clears throat> As in sort of windows in the back doors, though, I think it's mainly sort of super cheapy sort of budget. You know, oh, yeah, that is C1 Citroen C1, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids don't 
seem to mind it too much. They just like to have their windows popped out, and then you've got to remember to pop them back in when you leave the car. Yeah, because that is annoying. Um, so that's it's a minor thing. But anyway, I'd had the con off because we'd had the windows down because it was yeah. sort of this was a few this was a couple of weeks ago and it was just sort of balmy rather than baking hot yeah and then i filled it full of electricity and it told me that its predicted range was 171 miles that's good which well the claim is 150 isn't it yeah I think, it is. so that's actually you know that's quite i quite like that i sort of feel that's like that's good Really good. Maybe they've erred on the conservative side with the with the range estimate. I think they or, te- or they do it with the con on. I don't know. I think they do it. Yeah, they 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 tend to do that. But the conditions for EV have been optimum lately, providing you're not a yeah. con user. Um, yeah. And yeah, my so, Kia EV6, I got two hundred ninety three miles out of it last week. Did you? That and that, my friends, is impressive. Yeah, <laughs> and that is impressive. And that wasn't—I um, wasn't trying to hypermile or anything. It was—it did that really honest Kia Hyundai thing of as soon as you switch it on in the morning or whenever, mm. and it's charged, it just goes right. You got two hundred ninety-two miles, and what it should say in really small letters underneath is, and unless you drive like a twat or you use too much heating slash AC, you will get two hundred ninety-three miles. I promise, because it's very mm. very authentic. Uh, certainly has yeah, been I in always, other cars I've driven, other Kias. They, I noticed that way back, sort of the, the original Soul EV. Yeah, twenty fourteen spec. Yeah, it was like the range meter was really, really accurate. It was more so than contemporary electric cars. But they, they should have a little light. Just a little red light comes on in the instrument panel that just says "twat." If you sort of, you know, you you use too much throttle or something oh, like that. Oh, it'd be a digital um, just, part of the digital instrument cluster now, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it would swing light. needle into the twatometer. Yeah, <laughs> just be just flickering. Like, I feel like something just flickering. Yeah, just goes twat, and you go. You just go. Oh, I don't want to be a twat. And you it's, just ease off. It's sort of psychologically, it's quite um, it's powerful. All based on throttle position. Well, I've still got. You know, I was doing some di- um, tidying in the shed of, of. Of, I was looking for for beetle parts. So I've got hoarded beetle parts <laughs> here and there. You know, for the for the car rather than like the insects oh yeah no hoarded insects but um although i do have a couple of water beetles at the moment that i've found in the in the uh, yeah in a saucer of water outside anyway um hey we've got newts did i tell you this no we got we this house we bought has got a pond and we were a bit like mm, what are we going to do with that pond and then well we're not going to do anything now because it's got newts in it i'm really chuffed that's brilliant newts. well that yeah. means the water's of pretty good quality for a start does it? I think so. Ah. And so just leave it as is. Anyway, sorry, you were looking for beetle parts for the car. Yeah, yeah, and I found an, an original, uh, not VW at all, but from a from a when I used to go to auto jumbles with my brother pre-internet, I found a, a Smith's economy meter that works off oh. the vacuum of a car. Yes. And it's just a swing needle, and I think it's the backdrop is it's coloured red yellow and green and it just swings between mm. like you're doing okay no 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 too heavy footed come stop again stop again and i was going to fit it to my car and i never did and i found it and thought oh maybe i will fit it after all didn't those things famously if they ever you ever did a little leak in them they just make a horrible farty noise as you drive along <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. have to be airtight obviously because oh, yeah. it's off the vacuum it's in my Mercedes one two three, um, there was an air leak in the central locking in the passenger door. So when you were getting a bit of a lick on, it would sound like um, sort of a builder doing a quote behind the door paddle in the pedestal, like going. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be able to get the parts this week? Oh, oh, mate, yeah. I drove round it. I drove round with it like that for must have been half a year because I was too busy chasing. Tail and alcohol, and but all it, all I needed to do was actually I could, could could have mended it with some simple duct tape because it's this it's quite brittle plasticky vacuum pipe that just had a little split in it. But anyway, this is not interesting podcast conversation. Um, but yeah, well, no, is it ever though? And it's never. Know. This is never uh, an interesting podcast. It's, it's ridiculous oh, hey, that well, people listen. Uh, since we're sort of talking about cars for once, I wanted to tell you about something that happened to me um, again, related to moving house. But this is a moment of absolute pure joy. I mean, I, I can't express how delightful this was because I didn't think it would be possible, and some people told me it was, but I didn't believe it until it happened to me. 
Okay. I told my car insurance providers that I'd moved house. It's a lower risk postcode and they're giving me money back. Are they actually? They are actually giving quite a lot of money back as well. Well, because you mainly because I was paying quite a lot of money to insure. Well, you're not off of London, are you? Well, living out of off of London, high risk. Also, parking on the street and working in the media, they spin their big wheel of cash and then go, <laughs> "You owe us forty-seven million pounds for third-party fire and theft." So I. How much were you? Um, well, gone then. What was your Range Rover? What was it? The Range Rover it was. The Range Rover was eleven hundred pounds or thereabouts for a year. Oh. It's now about seven hundred. Oh, sweet! It's nice to have giving in, me in a world, money back in a world of predominantly gloomy news. That's mm. that's lovely news, Richard. I'm really pleased. They you can take me out for a curry if you want. Yeah, well, I don't get all of that back. I don't oh. get all the whole thing because obviously it's it's part way through its term oh. of insurance. But I'll, I get I'm still getting three hundred quid back. I think because um, so that was delightful. But then uh, the up was four hundred pounds, and it's now two hundred and fifty. Oh, that's just simply which is just splendid. It's, it's so delightful. I mean, proportionally, that's more, isn't it? It's a greater fall, but yeah, yeah, it's so. I'm so happy, and the Land Rover as well. Defender um, will change as well. That's like they're giving me one hundred and fifty pounds back. So it's just are there, I'm so chuffed. It's not the money; it's the principle. It's the thought, the thought that for years car insurance companies have been shafting me up the bunghole and it's finally like <laughs> it actually feels like that because they could just go we've got your details so see you've moved house be lucky and that'll be it but they, they've they've i presume because they changed the rules didn't they to stop them being such assholes and i wonder if it's part of that but they they are legitimately giving money back to me which that just feels like it never happens so i'm very very delighted and the money <laughs> will go towards mending all of the things in my new house that are broken you've told me uh you sorry you you telling me that's just reminded me i went for a walk the other week and i walked past two houses that were within very short distance of one another and both of them had older defenders on the drive as in you know like a kind of um, like yours a late, mm. a late old one, whatever you want to call it. And I chuckled to myself because both of them had other cars that they'd used to barricade them in for security oh. reasons. So I'm thinking, yeah. and listen up if you're a classic Defender owner, I'm thinking it might become an insurance stipulation that you have to own a tender vehicle, which is a <laughs> sacrificial lamb because of the sad realities <laughs> of them of them going walkabout <laughs> because of their value. So one of them right. had a Skoda Citygo, which is a nice car, actually a little bit too mm. good and possibly a bit too light. I would have gone for something heavier, um, which yeah. was which was part. And the other one, more sensible, had a mini digger, which ordinarily you oh. would box in with a car to stop certain people dragging a mini digger away because cause heavy plants worth a lot of money and there's a good black yeah. market for it. So... Yeah. Um, I chuckled as I walked, and I thought, I wonder if Richard's going to do this now that he's a man of the country. He's going to... He's going, (laughs) I've just bought an MOT Failure Volvo 940, and I'm going to boat chain it to to, to all my other cars. I've bought a Volkswagen Phaeton that's got full electrical failure, (laughs) and I'm going to put it in front of my Defender and then let all the tyres down. So it's, it's completely immovable. That's a great idea. Or put it in park and then just saw the gear stick off. <laughs> <laughs> just band saw super the band glue. <laughs> I can't remember how they would work, but you know, that'll be that'll have a lock on it, won't it, when it's in park? Yes. Unless you've got your foot on the brake. That's right. Just saw, saw off the brake. The saw the brake pedal off as well. Saw the brake pedal off. Yeah, just saw them both off. Well, no. So then, to get my Defender out, I have to pump up all the tires on the Phaeton. I do need to release the transmission and the parking brake and let it roll down the drive out of the way no i would do easier method i would like um a barge on the canal i would put i would suspend old car tires all the way around the phaeton okay yeah so that using your low range gearbox in your defender which i know you must (laughs) use all the time um you gently you take up the slack to it and you just lever it out the way um push barge it out the way to leave and then when you come back in again attach a a tow rope uh you know and then drag it back round so think of it as a gate that's not attached to anything 
Um, yeah. Well, that, now, but, but I'm won't. still going to have to pump the tyres up, but then it's going to be locked, isn't it? And they're four-wheel drive, a lot of those Phaetons. Oh, sure. So, okay. okay. I think it's going to be quite... I don't want to stress my Defender. What, no, what are we going to do? I'm going to stick to my plan. I roll it down the drive, get it out of the way, leave it on the road while I'm out in the Defender. When I get back, I've had a winch fitted to the front of my Defender for this to work. I back my Defender up to the top of the drive, and then I hook the winch to the Phaeton, and I haul it back and up in winch front of the it Defender. In. And then into park, handbrake on, let all the tyres down. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. You winch the fate I mean, on in for a close kiss. That's what you do, yeah. didn't you? Winch it all the way up to it's almost. This is, uh, I mean, it's not convoluted. It's a moment, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not convoluted. Is... Not inconvenient at all. No, I love this. This is this is the sort of conversation I enjoy. Uh, by the way, I well, think I'm just going to turn my earphones off. Hang on. If you can hear what sounds like somebody outside my house with a trombone, it's not. It's one of those slow trainer aeroplanes. Oh, is it? Yeah, you know, they do sound like someone's <laughs> just just walking around, circumnavigating your life with a trombone. I got a right shock the other night. I was sitting in the garden, and there's some trees at the end of our garden, and I, suddenly I heard this, and I was like, what the fuck is that? And the dog was like... Whoop, 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 whoop. Bloody great hot air balloon sort of came up above the trees from nowhere, like it was it was springing out on us. Brilliant! But it was really low, like it was you could see the people on board. Bloody hell! And, you know they're big up close, aren't they? Yeah. Hot air balloons and and uh, yeah. My first thought was just please don't crash into my house because I reckon it would make a right mess of your roof if a hot air balloon twatted into it. I love I love the idea of I, I've seen one this week because I think especially in the evening it's good good prime conditions for you know thermals. It's good ballooning weather yeah because I've seen a few now um, that there seems to be quite rife around our new neck of the woods but have you ever been in a hot air balloon? No I'd like to hmm. I'd like to as well I sort of have this low level fear that you'd get blown off course into some power lines but I think it happens it's not a regular occurrence is it so I'm prepared to go with it I would I for would. the experience I've never ever done um, any parachuting either but I would wear a parachute mm. on board in case I needed to do a base jump you know where you hold the pilot chute in, <laughs> under your arm I would do that <laughs> I'd say look it's not that I don't mistrust the, the hot air balloon but I'm going to wear this but if you've never done any parachuting and then you turn up with a parachute on and they go, do you know how to use that thing? And you'd have to say, no, not really, but I've seen it in films. It looks pretty simple. Yeah, I'm just going to throw the pilot out and pilot shoot, that is, not the actual pilot of the uh, of the hot air balloon. And then, yeah. But if if you saw the balloon near your house w- rising, w- were they frantically like throwing belongings out of it to change its course? No. I tried to say to my son, who's fascinated with this stuff uh, inflatables and things i did say to him i said look the amazing thing about the hot air balloon is you can't steer it no. so it, it's like going off it's like taking a boat out into the sea and just sawing off the steering wheel or the rudder and go right <laughs> just we're just sitting. we're going to use current <laughs> and we're going to use the sky and we're going to use common sense to get home and i think that it's, it's so wonderderfully deranged i love it you wouldn't. You, the, the, absolutely no way that you could use a hot air balloon for commuting. No, not a chance. Because you never. Know. It'd be good for hot desking um, in any given place. Because <laughs> yeah. oh look, I work for Vodafone this week because that's where my balloon seems to have taken me. That's fascinating. Let's see what happens next week. Oh right, I work for UPS now. That's interesting. But yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry, I'm late. I've got a hot air balloon. Quite a good excuse in a way. But I think that's what it is. Go, Why don't you just, just go and buy it's a small the, Peugeot, you prick? It's the directionless commuter. The strange world of a directionless commuter. <laughs> like. Do you remember The Littlest Hobo? Yeah. That TV show about loved the dog it. that just used to turn up and sort things out. Well, you'd be like that. It's sort of like a human version of The Littlest Hobo, but the, or, the randomness of where you go is, is driven by the fact that you're an enthusiastic hot air balloon pilot. I really enjoyed The Littlest Hobo. I, I, my, my mum said that I used to cry when it ended. Apparently, I used to yes. be quite invested in it. Quite emotional, wasn't it? Yeah. And also that theme tune, fabulous theme tune. There's a voice. Deep inside of me. Yeah, it's a good one. Isn't it keeps on calling me? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I knew that. I was just testing you. <laughs> um, You're doing what my wife does, where she just, she, for some reason, my wife can never get lyrics right at all. No, I can't. Sometimes it, I'm she awful. really winds me up because I think she does it deliberately. Um, oh, I'm awful. I'm awful at it. Well, maybe maybe you and her should form a, form a pub covers band. 
and <laughs> you just beat the neck <laughs> in the front. <laughs> Johnny used to work with a rock. What are you doing? It doesn't say that. Used to work with um, a rock. It's work on the dock, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I'm questioning myself now. Um, um, Union's gone in strike. Oh, uh, yes. Down on his luck. Yes, that. It's tough. Yes. yes. Look, guys, right. We should bring this to a halt because last week on Twitter I was talking about how podcasts should only be an hour long. And so I'm oh, yeah, to, you, um, you, it's true. I'm going to call time on this because uh, we're already getting perilously close. But. Before we go, yeah. I've got three things to tell you. Yeah. Uh, they are one, Johnny has a solo YouTube channel. It's called The Wake Wait Show, in which Johnny acts as a personal alarm clock for famed uh, Middle Eastern hostage Terry Waite, <laughs> rousing him from his slumbers ever so gently to avoid any clanging radiator PTSD mishaps. Oh, stop it already. Stop it. That's from listener Mike Follows. People keep sending these in. I know in. they it's do. You're an now. absolute... Second only to handbrake advice. Uh, Mike Follows, though, sent that one in. It particularly tickled me. I actually laughed very loudly when he sent it in, and I was sitting in the garden at the time. looked like a lunatic. So uh, thank you, Mike, for that. The real uh, solo YouTube channel that Johnny has is The Late Break Show. Mm. Lots of excellent videos on there. And do not forget, in August, The Late Break Live. Yeah, a.k.a. The Big Break event. Big Break. uh, Is on. Um, Yes. So it's happening. What is that? Sixth and seventh of August. Sixth and seventh of August, indeed. And uh, in the beautiful English East Midlands, we're going to be there, and many vehicles of differing genres. Mm. uh, Also, Mm. a live kind of like Q and A and a pub quiz. And yeah, um, probably turn up in my Defender, maybe dragging a a ruined face on behind. (laughs) Yeah, I think you should. I think you should do that. I think it's important to mention that um, at the time that this podcast goes out, you need to Mm. watch the Late Break Show. There is an idle chat with Mr. Harry Metcalf. Yay! uh, Yay! Fully clothed. Fully. Not just Crocs and a watch. No, fully clothed, but talking talking some great chat and showing me around his garage that I told him outright was a lie. It's a barn, not a garage. And um, (laughs) he was cool with that. And he's. <laughs> Harry's Harry's lying. The trade descriptions, people, Metcalf. That's right. But no, in all in all seriousness, it was a good chat with him in the brown chairs and um and then a walk around the garage looking at a couple of lesser seen vehicles from um his YouTube channel. We're talking about Evo and all that and talking about the olden mm. days when he had a moustache and a Saab Turbo. So yeah. He did have a moustache. Yeah, he had an incredible moustache and a brace of Saab Turbo. So if, if, even if you just want to listen... Did he show you the picture? There's that picture, isn't there, which was run in Evo at least once. I believe we are, are in possession of the picture. Yeah, I believe it's, it's we are. It's a superb picture. It's, do you know what? He could uh, he could be farming, British farming's answer to Tom Selleck um, in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I want it. Uh, please watch it and um, and comment at will. And obviously, if you're a patron to this here podcast, thank you for being a patron and supporting us that way. It's really wonderful. Love you, and we have merchandise as well, which is expanding shortly. Oh yes, uh, someone's asked us for a hat. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Should it be a sort of Mad Chester era um, kind of... Like a bucket hat. Like a bucket hat, yeah. A bucket hat, maybe. It could be, yeah. Um, yeah, No, a chap called Rob um, just said I hoped before Goodwood you might have uh, had Smith & Sniff headwear for sale, but apparently... Well, we are going to be at Goodwood. We should publicise this. Um, Oh, yeah, next... So what, this week, isn't it, in fact? It is. So we're we're there on um, Thursday and Friday this week at the Goodwood Festival Seed. We're filming for the Goodwood YouTube channel, but we will be around, and we'll probably be there on Saturday as well for a bit, won't we? So just in in a social capacity. So um, come and say hi. We've got stickers. We're giving away little Smith & Sniff stickers. We have got some stickers, and if you whisper sweet nothings in our ear, you'll get one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second thing I've got to tell you is that, as you probably know, I've got various books out. One of them is called uh, Boring Car Trivia 3. Um, Please go and buy it, because uh, then it will justify me doing another one at some point. Um, And the third thing I've got to tell you is that, until Skyfall, the most successful Bond film at the box office was Thunderball. Was it? Strange to think, but that is true. Adjusted for inflation, it is still the second most successful Bond film of all time. Gosh, I didn't... You wouldn't have thought it, would you? It's a bizarre one, but yeah, Thunderball... Um, it's holding that huge. note, isn't it? We did that. We tried to hold that note when we were yeah, we was driving and all that. Yeah, it makes you dizzy. Um, um, well, anyway, 
that's that for this yeah. um we will be hopefully we'll see some people at goodwood come and say hi we don't bite yeah um, and book a ticket uh, for the late hungry. great show live event do it now yeah just go to we'll the website the go late and buy break some show. merchandise um tell us um i can't remember you did another call to action earlier on didn't you but uh, i can't remember what it was yeah c2a marketing term yeah. call to action but anyway anyway uh that's quite enough we've gone well over the hour again but uh we will do this all again except we'll be together for the next podcast in the same place probably at goodwood somewhere possibly drinking wine oh yeah um, what a wonderful idea in the next episode so uh, join us for that next time until then thanks for listening goodbye thank you bye and this is Smith and Sniff a podcast in which we talk about cars and other things on that side of things oh you've gone to <laughs> uh, you double things do that's even it's two, two things too many things Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 